There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors moved one game closer to the merciful end of this season with a 115-96 loss to the Los Angeles Clippers and... um you know, I wasn't expecting anything from this game, especially when you saw the lineup, um, which <laughs> at one point Chris Boucher was questionable for the game. Chris didn't end up playing, but at one point Chris was questionable for the game, and I was looking at who was available for the Raptors. It was Malachi, it was Trent, it was uh, Jalen, it was DeAndre, it was Utah, it was uh, Freddie, it was Kem, and then it was Stanley. And out of that entire group of who was guaranteed to play, only one of them had played with Serge Ibaka, who was literally on the team last year. Um, and that one, one player was Stanley Johnson. So, of course, like when you look at that lineup and you look at the Clippers being almost at full strength just without Serge, um, yeah, this was going to be the result. And you might say, well, the Raptors played the Clippers real competitive, you know, two games ago. What happened? Well... Um, you don't have Fred and Pascal. I know people love to... I remember after that game, people were like, Oh, man, Fred and Pascal, 10 of 24 from the field. How can we let this go? You know, how can we... Blah, 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 blah. Alright. You see what happens when they're not there. Some of those tougher shots move on to the other guys, and they're even worse at it. Like, you know, it is what it is. Um, 
No, that's not to say I didn't think the Raptors would put up a better fight. I thought they would. They generally guard a lot better than this. But there was not a lot of defense being played either. Which, again, turns out, you know, Fred, Pascal, OG, Kyle, some of these guys are pretty good defenders. And, um, yeah, so this game, I mean, I'm always a little bit upset by the game. Not because of the result. Not because I don't understand what's going on. Just because it was a bit of a waste of time. Like, it was, like, really unenjoyable to watch. I think some of the foul calls in the third quarter really dragged it on as well. It wasn't a huge free throw game, but the Clippers, by the way, 22, 26 of 26 from the free throw line. That's that's pretty damn good. Um, in any case, though, the Raptors just didn't play that well at all. And I think the execution was poor. I think offensively, they didn't have much to go on. And defensively, even though I thought, you know, Stanley and Utah did a great job against the uh, the duo of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard last time, wasn't nearly the same. Kawhi getting, you know, 20 points, getting to the line eight times. Um, just Kawhi got free a lot more, and his passes were a lot better. Zubac was a lot better playing in the gaps, getting in, you know, dunks. Just free dunks, man. This guy was just... You know, with the exception of Freddie Gillespie, who shattered Freddie, man, he, he blocked Zubac at the basket, and he blocked Cousins at the basket, you know, both great to watch. But otherwise, Zubac was just walking down the lane and dunking the ball. Like, it was, you know, very, just the, the defensive rotations and things like that weren't there, they weren't crisp. And you might say, well, listen, I mean, this is the end of the season, what do you really expect? That's fair. Right, and everyone knows the Raptors are tanking. You know, everyone knows that they're resting guys. You know, it's a very pivotal tank game going on between OKC and Sacramento. Um, to be honest, I, you know, who cares? Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens at the end of the season. In any case, though, like I, I get what the Raptors are doing, but at the same time, it's just like I don't know, man. What what do you take from these games, right? Because I think the one school of thought is well, you know, okay. So you rest some of these guys, but guys can get in some development. And I agree with that general sentiment. And I do think that development has been taking place. Um, but I also do think that like you need some general structure around it. Because otherwise, you're just rolling the ball out. There's a big difference between giving people opportunities to take one step in the like up the rung to see if they can do it. Versus like just throwing them off the deep end. And I think that, obviously, when you have Kyle, when you have you know uh, Fred, when you have Pascal, like those guys can keep some semblance of the offense going. Even if OG. OG's not really that big of a play creator, but at least like he can do things, right? You can provide some structure around them. Without that structure, without all three of those guys, you just throw these guys off the deep end, there's almost nothing to be seen, right? Because like you're seeing guys play like two or three levels ahead of where they're supposed to be. I mean, in terms of just, you know, guys in their position today, um, I would say the the front court was roughly what you would expect in terms of Ken being the starter, Gillespie being the backup center, and then Boucher playing power forward. Boucher came back today, played 37 minutes, did not shoot the ball well, was rusty. In any case, those the front court was there, but like Stanley Johnson starting. I mean, I'm, I'm, there's not even a very good chance Stanley's on the team next year, right? And even if he were, like he's third string. Now he's in the starting lineup. Malachi, he's second string. He's second string. And what's Kyle, Fred, and... Kyle and Fred both in the lineup. Malachi is a very distant third string. Now he's starting, and he's the main playmaker for this group. Gary Trent Jr., he's usually the starting guard, shooting guard, so that's fine, but nobody to create for him. No offense around him, really. So he's creating his own offense. That's a role that we've seen him struggle in. He just shot 5 of 20. Today he shoots a 3 of 16. You know, and yeah, he's left to his own devices. Is that really development to see him taking... 
you know, five or six pull-up mid-range jumpers contested for, you know, well, you might say, well, you know, he has to take those shots. I would say no. <laughs> I don't want to see him take those shots. I'm sorry. And then the other guy's, like, coming in, like, you know, Utah's looking for his offense, which is great, but, like, his role is not being a scorer off the bench. You know, like, I just, there wasn't a lot of development. And, again, I'm not saying that this is a bad strategy. I'm not knocking them. This is, you know, not part of the, the you know, the group of reporters that put, like, three or four pieces out at the same time with the same angles about the Raptors and what they're doing in terms of being unclear. I think it's very clear what the Raptors have been trying to do since the trade deadline, uh, given by their actions of resting. In any case, though, there, I, you know, there have been other games where I've seen development. This game, I didn't really see much value in development. Other than to say, you just threw a bunch of guys out there against the Clippers and just basically played the game to play the game. Um, the Clippers obviously are a much better team. The Clippers are a championship contender. The Clippers have, you know, talent across the board, many, many positions. Um, you see their defense is really, really strong. Um, you see the, uh, you know, man, Kawhi, uh, obviously doing his thing. Paul George didn't have that great of a game, six turnovers, but still very effective, especially defensively. I thought he was excellent in both games where Raptors played against the Clippers, um, you know, Zubac producing well in his role. And then even guys off the bench, like Terrence Mann was a huge plus for them. He didn't play last time the Raptors played them. Um, I mean, Rajon Rondo's out here throwing bounce passes off the ground, off the backboard. Just like they're, they're just really ready. Of course, Marcus Morris as well. He's been playing fantastic. I feel like he just looks really good every single time I see him. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like there was just wasn't much to be created, and I think you know you can look at the starting unit. I thought the starting unit played worse offensively than the, the the bench unit, which has been rare. Usually the bench struggles and the starters play well, but of course all the starters are gone. So, um, it, you know a lot of onus fell on Malachi and Gary Trent, and this is where I have to say for all those people who you know look, um, you know jumping ahead and sort of saying, well Malachi is a true point guard. We, you know, like you know, he's better point guard than Fred. You know, he's a nat- more natural passer than Fred. You know, he's you know trade Fred, all this other stuff. To be honest, I see it. I really do. And, and you know, I, <laughs> I mean, one game is not an indication of this, but like, look how Fred did in his performance against the Clippers and Malachi. It, it, it steps down the line. You're jumping the line in terms of the development there. Didn't think Malachi was that good outside of a few stretches where he was very solid. He made some very nice plays, and I'm very excited about Malachi as well. But I have to say, the starting lineup did not perform well offensively. And, of course, again, I have to state that I don't know if I expect Malachi to be that great offensively getting hounded by Patrick Beverly and then getting Kawhi and Paul George switching onto him. That's not great. Um, but at the same time, though, like, I thought Malachi gave them some nice moments, but just not consistent enough. And the nice moments are worthwhile. You know, like, he drives inside, sets up Kem Birch. Uh, Kem has really found a really nice um, just rhythm of just getting slightly behind his his, uh, his guard and then stopping on the roll and putting that little short floater up. That's been a really effective shot for him. He's done it quite a few times. And he, had, I think Flynn found him twice for those shots tonight. Um, then Malachi had a pull-up three when the defense sagged back, which is, okay, pretty good read. The Raptors are actually trying to run a, a play for Gary Trent off the screen on one side of the floor, but the, the Clippers cheated. And, you know, uh, Flynn was aggressive, read that quickly, and took a three and pulled up and was open and made it. Then he had a steal, which was great. I think it was on Cousins. Cousins was sort of blindly trying to post up, and Flynn coming out from the um, the blind side there, stripping the ball, basically Fred Van Vliet style, taking up in transition, 
Stanley kind of botched that transition play, though. He should have got the pass out earlier. But, um, you know, it was also very quiet. I thought the Raptors started really poorly. And if you look at the numbers the Raptors scored, 19 in the first quarter, 19 in the third quarter. That's largely down to the starting group not being able to contribute. And again, I will have to say that it's very hard to expect these guys to score when they're so severely shorthanded against a team that is very, very well stocked and playing very, very connected basketball the way the Clippers were today. But... You know, it was tough to watch that. And it was tough to watch Gary Trent because, listen, man, it, it's just, it's way too many, way too many contested jumpers. Like, it, it, he started the game, his first shift, you already knew it was not going to go well in the game because he was 0 for 3. You know, he had two mid range jumpers, one where he tried to post up Patrick Beverly. Beverly got under him. Uh, it was along the baseline. Gary Trent then turn, shot a turnaround jumper over him, which, yeah, okay, you can shoot over Beverly, but as we've seen, if you try to post up a, a tough, small guard, like with Kyle, with Fred, the efficiency generally not going to look that good if you're just taking a mid-range jumper, turn around, a slightly off balance. You know, I think that shot might have hit the side of the backboard. I don't know. It wasn't a great shot. It wasn't close to making it. Then the next shot down, Gary Trent gets into the mid-range, gets a shoulder into Beverly or George, I forget who was guarding him, and then fades away for another contested jumper. And it's like, you're really going to start the game with two contested jumpers, right? Like, that, that doesn't seem... I mean, again... And it's not like these are all like late shot clock situations. These are like mid shot clock situations where you can still reset, you can still get something more, you can still be a little more patient. And then his third shot attempt, he drives into the paint. Zubac is waiting for him, and he ch- and he jumps into Zubac, trying to challenge him at the basket. I don't hate that play, you know. Like at least it's a little bit more aggressive than a mid range jumper. But Zubac is way bigger than him, you know. Was in good position, was vertical on the contest, and completely blocked um, Gary's shot attempt. I don't even think he got an attempt off. That's how. That's how much he was smothered. So the rest of the game was much more the same. Yes, he will make some contested jumpers, and they will look nice, but 3 of 16 is 3 of 16, and 5 of 20 from the last game is 5 of 20. And, you know, I think Gary's a very effective player when he, depending on the context. I think if other guys are creating for him, that helps so much. If the other guys are running the offense, Gary can then get open and then hit some shots. There's not a lot the offense is creating for Gary in, in this sense at the moment because a lot of these guys don't even play together, don't really don't have the great continuity to play and execute together. But having said that, though, his own play creation skill set has not necessarily impressed. And, and, and that's... You know, and that's fine because I don't think the Raptors are going to look to Gary as sort of like a go-to guy, possession after possession, give him the ball, relevant run, pick and roll, and stuff like that. That's never really going to be his role unless like something really improves in his game, which would be fantastic. Hasn't happened yet. Uh, he's only 22, but um, yeah, a lot of these performances, it's just like it's not surprising to see his efficiency drop because again, he's taking hard shots. And, and even to an extent for Malachi as well. I mean, Malachi, the, the, the main thing with him is, like, he took 10 shots tonight. One was a mid-range jumper, and then nine were threes. Didn't get to the free throw line. Uh, got into the paint once or twice, and, you know, some good things came out of it. But, like, 10 shots, nine of them threes, one a mid-range jumper. That's that's just not enough. And, again, you're not surprised when he shoots four of ten in that sense because those are all tough shots, right? What, what about getting into the paint and sort of creating for others? Like, I think that... that just needs to be the emphasis for him every single game. I know that they're small. I know that there's some big guys on the other team. Um, but you just have to find a way to get downhill because in the Raptors offense, you need that paint touch from your guards, from your forwards, penetrating into the paint, and then either finding a teammate who's flashing open uh, from the dunker spot or from you know short rolling like Ken Burch does, or 
you spray it out to the perimeter and then you swing the ball until the open shooter is there and you shoot the three. Or you attack again. Like, But that, that paint touch has to be there. And a lot of these times, I don't feel like Malachi is impacting the basket, not putting a threat going downhill at the basket. Um, and that's the difference where sometimes you might look at Fred and say, well, you know, Fred and Kyle, they might have low shooting percentages. But every single game, when you watch them, they're putting pressure downhill towards the basket. And that's how they're generating a lot of their assists. And I think Malachi has that same consistency, that same not consistent. He has the same ability to do it. He has, honestly, he's more quickness than Fred or Kyle. Fred and Kyle mostly muscle their way past guys using a screen, trapping them behind them, snaking the pick and roll, then getting into the paint a little bit. But mostly they're looking to pass. I think Malachi has a, something on those guys in the sense that he has that quickness. He has that really quick first step. You know, we've seen him uh, expose bigs on switches. We've seen him do it to Blake Griffin, to, to, to Kevin Love. Obviously, those guys are slow in their 30 and whatever, and they were never great defenders. But, like, you know, even today against Paul George, Paul George had a couple possessions where because the, the Clippers kind of zone up. They kind of keep their wings out top. You know, they'll switch occasionally, especially considering the Raptors, you know, didn't have that many great scores, so you can switch more liberally, and they'll have George and Kawhi at the top of the floor a lot, so Malachi had two possessions where he was switched on and covered by Paul George, and Malachi got him to, sh- you know, not even drop him, like, it wasn't like, he, you know, he, he, he got him to, like, <laughs> crab walk, like, uh, AI did to Antonio Daniels, but, like, it was, it was, you know, Enough where his quickness did shift Paul George, get him on the ground, and, and sort of get him out of position. And so that quickness is there for Malaga. It's just a matter of sort of using that quickness, getting to the paint. And that's all feel and experience. You see it in the stretches of the game. And then it disappears for stretches of the game. But um, the starting group didn't score well offensively. Again, you, there's a lot of Stanley. He got into foul trouble. Um, Stanley didn't even play that badly offensively, but it's just like nobody guards him there. So it's like... It's going to be very hard for him to play well offensively when no one guards you. Boucher was also misfiring a lot of his jumpers, and including today where like there were some jumpers where it looked flat. The arc of Chris Boucher's jumper looked flat, and that has never been said. I don't think I've ever seen Chris Boucher shoot a you know like his jumper is like a pure like just <laughs> it, it's like a parabolic um, <laughs> trajectory every single time. Like you can always find like you know. Uh, it's, it's, it looks like a great 10 uh, math problem. But in any case, today, Chris Boucher actually had some very flat jumpers, which is very rare to see. Obviously, he's got that pronounced um, trebuchet kind of release. But, of course, he's coming off injury, so not surprised he was he was rusty. The nice thing was the bench picked it up a little bit, and the bench gave them some nice things. I thought Utah and Bembry and Jalen Harris, all three of those guys, did a good job of heading downhill and driving. Now, the, the thing is, when you drive downhill... You really have to worry about your turnovers because obviously you're driving into the t- the uh, teeth of the defense. If there is help, you got to know where your next pass is going to be. Can't just throw it blindly. And there were some times where Bembry and Jalen got into turnovers. They combined for nine turnovers. That's not good. That's not good in any circumstance. So I'm not saying they played a good offensive game, but they did do the right thing in the sense that they were heading downhill. Utah was getting downhill, looking for his shot, getting a couple mid-range jumpers to drop, sort of that little push floater kind of thing that he does. To be honest, he kind of just leans and hangs, and then defense you know, usually tries to contest for his right hand, and then he'll shift it quickly to his left hand, catch ball by surprise being left-handed, and put a shot softly at the basket. He has good touch there. The shots land very soft, and they bounce in. You know, like a example of hard touch would be like Stanley. Stanley, I feel like, has really hard touch. But, um, 
you know, Utah got a couple baskets to drop there, but he also missed his wide open threes. So that was unfortunate. You really needed some of those to drop. But, you know, Bembry was also getting downhill, making a couple of tough finishes. He also made two threes, which has been something that hasn't been in this game that much this season, but he also made a lot of bad passes. And Jalen Harris was consistently getting downhill. I thought he did a really good job, you know, uh, using his change of pace, using his shiftiness to sort of, you know, get into the paint. And there were a lot of times that he was doing positive things with it. A lot of times he was driving downhill and then trying to make a pass along the baseline because that was his bailout pass and the defense was right there and he's turned the ball over. Five turnovers is pretty bad for him, but... You know, he was at least able to use his uh, quickness to get downhill, which is nice. You know, that's what you want to see. And then, really, you know, the unsung hero in the middle of that bench unit was Freddie Gillespie, who thoroughly outplayed DeMarcus Cousins. Cousins looks kind of washed, was benched for the second half, and not surprising, to be honest. The Clippers do like to finish small, and they have a better small group anyway. But uh, Freddie Gillespie was very good. I thought he was very good. Nick used him at first in a two-big lineup with Freddie and Kem Birch. I think he was trying to make up for some of the size that the Clippers had. Obviously, the Clippers had much bigger size on the perimeter with, you know, their shooting guard was Paul George. You know, Raptors shooting guard was Gary Trent. You know, Kawhi obviously is very big. Uh, You know, even even, uh, Marcus Morris has some size in terms of bulk against, you know, Chris Boucher and the Zubac is bigger than Birch. That was a big issue as well. So, you know, Knicks double stacked his centers a little bit for some stretches. But then also I thought Freddie Gillespie just came in and especially when him going against Cousins, similar to the Raptors last game against the Clippers, which was like last week, um, Gillespie really wore Cousins down with his aggressiveness. Like, you know, Gillespie was really active on the offensive glass. Four offensive rebounds today, just a number of putbacks, you know, um, getting deep post position, sealing his man, throwing a little soft left hook, left-handed hook shots. Again, he's another guy with very soft touch, similar to Utah. Um, maybe it's just a left hand. Maybe people just kind of use their left more often. Uh, and then, but the most impressive part was Gillespie's blocks, man. This guy keeps getting up there, challenging guys. Like Cousins, you know, got frustrated, tried to rise up with two hands, stuff, and, and, and just like, you know, tried to posterize Gillespie and Gillespie stopped him at the basket and then a few minutes later Zubac tried to do the exact same thing same dunk two hands tried to power finish and Gillespie blocked him as well and, and so I thought Freddie gave him some really nice minutes um, especially in that first half uh, but you know again there's just not enough I mean the, the two guys you well the three guys you really primarily were, were looking for offense from were Chris Boucher you know Malachi Flynn and Gary Trent Jr. Boucher shot 5 of 15 Malachi was 4 of 10, and Gary Trent was 3 of 16. So that's just not going to cut it against the Clippers, who, you know, had pretty good contributions. Their first unit was strong. Their second unit was strong. Um, and, yeah, I mean, listen, their their team's going in different directions at the moment. Uh, and that's sad to see, really. Like, I would really like to, you know, shade the Clippers. But the reality is the Clippers have beaten the Raptors all four times since Kawhi's gone there. So... That's been ugly to watch. But in any case, though, it is always nice to see some of these old, you know, guys, like, um, you know, after the game, you know, last game, Kawhi obviously stuck around and greeted a lot of the guys. That was nice to watch. That was nice to see. Um, Serge did the same as well. Tonight, it was a lot of Serge coming over. And, like, man, you just miss Serge. Like, before the game, Nick was talking in his pregame press conference and obviously Clipper reporters in there asking him stories, stuff like that. Very smart, obviously. You obviously want to ask <clears throat> the uh, former coach about, you know, one of his favorite players. And, man, it's just, it's just you know, it makes, it, of course, it's just a nice reminder of, not that anyone necessarily needs a reminder, but it's just a nice reminder of how much Serge did for this team. Like, um, you know, 
Surge being that sort of emotional rallying point. Nick was retelling the story of how after the Raptors fell down 0-2 to Milwaukee in the conference finals, Serge is in that locker room giving a passionate speech in front of the whole team about how we can do this. We, you know, believe in us, right? Like, you know, Serge was, um, you know, on a team with OKC where they, they came back on an 0-2 deficit against the uh, Spurs. Um, and, of course, that would become a very awkward point because, you know, Danny and Kawhi were both on that Spurs team that got, uh, you know, basically in, in the role of Milwaukee in that sense. Um, but, you know, that's what you miss about Serge is that, like, not only is he a great player, but just a great glue guy. And you saw it after the game, Serge coming over, hugging everybody, you know, spending time with, like, the trainers, spending time with, like, you know, um, Alex McKechnie, with the assistant coaches, with, um, you know, the security staff, like, everything, man. Like, the Raptors, you know, obviously are a family, and Serge, you know, had a connection with all of those guys. It was actually really sweet to watch. And even old Raptors like Patrick Patterson, I know people, you know, you know, Patrick Patterson <clears throat> doesn't have the greatest reputation. Um, you know, some of it self-inflicted, some of it, you know, pettiness. Um, but at the same time, like he really stuck around. Jeremy Castleberry, I know he gets some jokes on him too. Like he was around, and like it was just great to see some of these guys reunite. Like it really is. Like I, I think that um, that's something that you know, as the Raptors move out of the playoff picture, which of course they're officially eliminated, which we already knew, but. Um, you know, like, it's just, um, it's it's bittersweet, but it's also a nice reminder of, like, how much the Raptors need to preserve that. Like, they just need to maintain that. That's part of what made the Raptors special, is how close they were as a group, and you see it all the time. You see it, you know, post-game fret, or you see a post-game where, you know, in that, uh, the, the Blazers played the Spurs recently, and you see DeMar crashing Norm's interview, and they're hugging each other there, and, like, you see the JV the other night, and... You know, there's, it's, yeah, it's just, just got to keep that going somehow, man, because otherwise you just become another franchise, just another sort of, you know, group of people working at at, at work. I mean, listen, if you've been in in a nice, if you've been in a a special workplace where where people have a really good chemistry, a really nice work culture, it makes a huge difference. You spend a lot of your time in life at work. And I've been very fortunate to be part of some very, very good newsrooms, for example, and that's always been very positive. And I think, you know, newsroom, you know, locker room, not the same, but uh, in some other ways, very the same. <laughs> You're probably working late hours together, um, trying to meet these crazy deadlines, and, you know, it, it helps if uh, you like everyone there. Because, again, as I said, you know, the Raptors ended up playing this game against Surge, and, like, literally Surge has played with two of these guys who played tonight, Chris Boucher and Stanley Johnson. And I got to say, I don't think Surge played more than, like, 200 minutes with either of those two guys. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, in terms of your three stars, this is going to be very, very tough because I have no idea. I can't even point to one guy who played well. I guess I'm going to go with Freddie Gillespie as number one for me. Um, 10.7 rebounds and assists to steal three blocks. Four of six. I like how he outplayed Cousins. Cousins is very slow, and physically, I think he's you know a, a lot behind where he used to be. Obviously, as a star with the injuries, you know, it, it's just tough. But um, I thought Freddie played well. He's gonna get my first star. Second star. Jesus, this is tough. I'm gonna go with. I might have to go with Utah. Yeah, eight points, four rebounds, three assists for Utah. That's enough for a second star. My goodness, this is where we are down horrendously at the moment. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, Utah made a buzzer beater, missed some open shots. I don't know. He didn't. He wasn't a negative. Played defense. You know, again, a lot of these guys were negatives tonight. And then your third star. I mean, damn. I might just have to pretend Jalen Harris didn't have five turnovers and give Jalen Harris the third star. Ten points, three rebounds, four assists, two steals. I like his quickness. I like his shiftiness. He just kind of floats past people. Uh, It's very quick and, you know, has a bit of explosion to get to the basket first. That's something that Norm really had was that when he drove downhill and kind of got downhill, he would use his length and his, but he would just burst so quickly to the basket. Um, Now, it wasn't quick enough to, you know, beat Marcus Smart in Game 7. I don't know why I'm bringing this up. That's a traumatic thing to just randomly bring up. I'm sorry. But, like, that's something Norm had, is that, like, quick little burst reach to the basket. And Jalen has a bit of that, too, um, even though he's a smaller guard. So, um, those are your three stars. Wow, Freddie Gillespie, Utah Watanabe, and Jalen Harris. This is... These are dark times. In terms of Gerald Henderson Award winner, that's got to go to Terrence Mann. Seven of seven from the field. 20 points off the bench. Scored literally every time he touched the ball. Got in some foul trouble, but like, whew, man, he was just going downhill, scoring, super athletic, super energetic, and he's a nice piece for the Clippers. Um, you know, you know, if the Raptors ever work out a trade with the Clippers, which I sincerely hope they don't, um, yeah, let me see Terrence on the Raptors. Uh, it'll, it'll work better the second time around. So, uh, I guess third time around. Shout out Terrence Ross. Um, that does it for the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Raptors Reaction Newsletter. And, yeah, watch Running Back. Listen to the call-in show. That was really fun. Me and Josh taking calls on Monday. We'll be doing another one on next Monday uh, when the Raptors um, finish the season officially on Sunday, the day after. We're going to do another call-in show, so look out for that. And, um, yeah, listen, we're one game closer Okay, the Raptors keep losing. They gotta keep holding on to the seventh best lottery odds kind of thing. That's all we got to cling on to. And then, yeah, we'll pivot um, because it's uh, it's yeah. Hopefully, the next game is more entertaining than this. That's all I have to say. Because like, you know, you just they were losing this game the whole way, and I didn't even care about losing. It's just like play a good game. And today, the Raptors did not play a good game. So, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, I'll be back later in the week.